You're listening to the Detox and Chill podcast with Megan Dillon and Beck Benyon. We're two millennial women in the corporate world juggling wellness and a fast-paced lifestyle. On this podcast, we're breaking down wellness into digestible episodes that fit into your weekly routine. We're on this journey with you, learning from wellness and lifestyle experts in their fields. From our lighthearted banter, what's the appropriate amount of time to go between shaving our legs? To getting deep about everyday struggles like hormones, societal norms, and gut health, we're your podcast besties. Disclaimer, no late night text needed to detox and chill. Hi, everyone. (laughs) We're back. It feels like forever. It does. But it's been a week. Yeah. Hope you didn't miss us too much. Um, so, first things first. <laughs> so dot dot dot. First things first. Our event. Yes. So it's actually coming up quite quickly. Mm-hmm. We were looking at the calendar today. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you guys know, we're doing a gut health um, go with your gut event with Charity Lighten from Silver Fern, who's flying in all the way from Utah mm-hmm. um, for this event. So. We're going to have an awesome workout before the event starts. Um, You'll get to hear all about gut health, and we'll definitely leave some time for Q&A. I've gotten that question a couple times already. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for anyone who wants to come and has specific questions, we'll definitely be leaving some time. Um, But it'll just be a panel discussion with charity. And then we also have Dig In for dinner. Yes, Dig In is providing dinner. We're so grateful for them, and we're going to have an awesome awesome goodie bag for you to take home so you can try some of our favorite gut healing products it's going to be great um like meg went like meg mentioned me uh we are going to do a yoga workout beforehand taught by the amazing wendy williams and mike mccardish from core power so they're gonna make us sweat just get it all out, and then mm-hmm. we're going to listen to charity, and it's going to be great, a great mm-hmm. evening. And yes. it's on a Thursday. What else are yeah. you doing on a Thursday? Yeah. and we want you there. Mm-hmm. So um, you can find the link in our bio on Instagram. I think that's the only place it is for mm-hmm. now. We yep, you can search on Eventbrite, go with your gut, it's on there. So mm-hmm. get your tickets now. Yeah, and we want to see your faces. Yeah, yeah, we really do. <laughs> um, second thing, Meg has a big announcement. Yeah. So I realized... You know all the details because mm-hmm. I've been telling you everything. Um, but the big news is we closed on a condo. <gasps> so exciting. Yay. Congratulations. Yeah. How does it feel to be a homeowner? It doesn't feel real yet. Mm-hmm. So um, when I say condo, I feel like I imagine this like modern luxury. <laughs> it's a second floor on a three um, family home. So it's more homey. Mm-hmm. like Super cute. Yeah. And I'm just so excited to feel... Like, I have roots somewhere. Mm -hmm. I haven't had that for a really long time because, like, you think about college, you know that's temporary. I knew I didn't really want to live in Pittsburgh forever. Um, So it's just cool. But we had a bit of a snafu the night before. I think Mm -hmm. I told you this. So for anyone who maybe, like, hasn't bought a condo or apartment or anything like that, you do a final walkthrough of your place, usually the day before or like the night before you close, just to make sure there's no issues. I was like, oh, we can divide and conquer. I needed to do something else. So Dan was like, okay, I'll mm-hmm. go, no problem. Never expected anything to happen. Of course not. Of course not. I get a call from Dan and he's like, well, the sink is leaking and the garbage disposal won't work. So we were like, ah, what do we do? So annoying. But the end of the day it was all fine fine. we decided that we were gonna not let a garbage disposal (laughs) hinder us closing on the condo so I don't know it like hasn't sunk in yet yeah that's so exciting though like such a big step and I feel like it's definitely like something that you need to like learn while going through it yeah because like you don't know what to expect before you actually do it no I feel like and I don't know there's like different books and all this Mm. stuff but it's like I feel like if you go through it, mm-hmm. you learn. Most and every of it. situation is different too. <clears throat> yeah. So that's so like another thing in your marriage that like brings yes. you together. Yes. So cool. Yes. Yeah, and we definitely I feel had different strengths throughout the process. <laughs> yeah. Dan's yeah. all about the loan and you mm-hmm. know making sure I give the right documentation, and I was more about like finding a good place. Right. Does it look good? <laughs> is yes. it nice? Yeah. 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 For sure. That's so cool. Yeah. So exciting. 
Um, and you have an exciting update, too. Oh, no. <laughs> this is very exciting. I would say it's much more exciting than yours. It's basically on par. <laughs> so, you know, here at Detox and Chill, we're very much about balance. And just, you know, you don't need to cut out everything. Yeah. And you don't need to, like, go ham all the time either yeah. and, like, Live YOLO. Your yeah. life. Yeah. So... This weekend, definitely YOLO'd. And so there's usually, like, one night a year that we'll, like, John and I will, like, get drunk. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put it out there. Just float um, <laughs> usually We'll enjoy a cocktail or two. Like, we don't get crazy. I yeah. never want to, like, feel gross the next day. Yeah. Like, that just does not appeal to me. Yeah. And so this past weekend, we were in Stowe, and we were up there with about 15 other people, um, friends of ours, all in a cabin in the mountains. So pretty. Yeah. And Saturday night, it was just a big party. Like, we were all just having a great time. (laughs) I was like, yes, this is my night. Like, I'm going to just not care about anything. I don't really like beer, so it was, like, definitely hard liquor. And I was, like, at a pretty good point, you know, just loving life, <laughs> kind of hungry. And I saw that there was a tray of pizza rolls in the uh-huh. kitchen. And I was like, oh. Just, like, jackpot. Pe- yeah. The best. The best food. <laughs> the pot of gold. Oh, yeah. So I was like, ooh, pizza rolls. So I go over. I put one in my mouth. And it was like I had put hot lava on my lips. It hurts oh. so bad. And I think when I, you know, when you're younger, that happens quite mm-hmm. a lot because you're just like so hungry and you like <laughs> at just, all times. Right? You're just growing. But at all and times. but like your mouth is kind of used to the level of yeah. heat. So yeah. it's like kind of yeah. immune to like well, the would, real bad burns. Yeah. With like hot pockets, right. I would like shovel those in. Right. And so now my food is, a, is at a very level temperature. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get that hot. And so I. Like, it immediately started to blister on my lip. I was, like, panicking. Mm. We didn't have any ice left in the fridge, so I, like, saw John's drink, and there was an ice cube in it, and I was like, I'm taking that. I put my <laughs> hand in his drink, put it right on my lip, and I'm like, oh, my God, it hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, like, freaking out, as you yeah, do. Yeah. And then five minutes later, I'm like, oh, whatever. Like, yeah. I'm just going to have fun. Good for you for getting over it, because <laughs> yeah. I would have dwelled for a while. Oh, no, I was like, whatever. Like, got to live my life. Yeah. So I'm sure the rest of the night, like, I had this, like, huge blister on my lip. Had, did not care, though, because yeah. like, I was thinking about many other things. The next morning, I wake up. I feel something, like, dry on my lip, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, dry skin. So I, like, pick it off, <gasps> and I picked off, like, the top of the blister, oh. and it started bleeding, and I was like, oh, dang it. The dang pizza yeah. rolls <laughs> at it again. So, yeah, Were that they was... worth it, though? It was worth it. Yeah. yeah. I would... Well, I don't know. Did you get to, like, taste it? Or not because it was fire? Uh, I don't... No. Yeah. I immediately spit it out. Yeah. So, no, I didn't even enjoy yeah. it. No. Very disappointing. Regret. I think I had some carrot slices after that. Oh. What a doubt. Da- <laughs> what a fall from grace. I know. I know. So yeah, that was my big announcement, and now my lip looks like I, <laughs> I don't even know, have some disease. So it's really Perfect. great. And with that, as anyway. we do here at the Detox and Chill podcast, a seamless transition mm-hmm. to our guest this week. So Kelly Tennant um, of the Platform Podcast is on today, and she has just a crazy background that mm-hmm. I think a lot of different people will relate to in one way or another. Yeah, she's been through so much and and it's so amazing that she was willing to share that with us. A lot of it is some really personal stuff that she went through, really emotional and she's been able to come out on the other side, you know, just really well, so outstanding. She's such an amazing human. She's really giving back now. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just such an inspiring story. So um, I will warn you, she does talk about some triggering things if you're going through um, any kind of mental illness or um, any kind of chronic illness. Um, this might hit hard for you, mm-hmm. but um, we really hope you enjoy the episode. Kelly is a fellow podcaster, mm-hmm. um, and we love supporting other podcasts, so definitely go check out her podcast, The Platform, after you listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know what you think. Yes, yes. Um that's it uh and and we hope you enjoyed the episode don't forget to rate and review and join our facebook group follow us on instagram Mm -hmm. all of the things and go buy your tickets right now okay yes right right now bye
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so excited for our guest today. Um, Kelly is truly an inspiration. Um, she was in a very fast-paced lifestyle before um, creating her current um, job, which is um, the Platform Podcast. And we're really excited to hear her journey. Um, and she'll tell you more about what she used to do and what she does now. So welcome, Kelly, to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. Um, so let's just get, get right into it. So tell us about kind of your past life um, and how it got to where you are today. Yes. So my past life, um, many layers to it. I was a former or I am a former volleyball player. I played volleyball at USC, grew up in Temecula and um, always had a dream of playing in college and luckily got a full ride scholarship to play at USC and always had a dream of being a television host from the time I was 10 years old. And so when I was being recruited for volleyball, I was looking at schools based on their broadcast programs, which I'm really glad I did because I ended up having to stop playing after two years um, after being diagnosed with a chronic illness. So it worked out that I was at USC and I could go right into television. So I started covering all the sports at SC, my former teammates, and really just went all in in hosting and reporting and getting a lot of reps before I graduated. And then when I did graduate in 2009, I immediately was hired by ESPN and that started the adulting of my life. And so I was at ESPN and um, Longhorn Network. I moved to New York for a year doing high school sports at MSG Varsity and lived in the city. And then I came back to LA when the Pac-12 Network started to cover my former conference, which was really fun. And then it just happened that um, the Lakers Network was starting. And so I auditioned for that job. And I was hosting and reporting for the LA Galaxy, the Sparks, the Lakers. And then the next year, the Dodgers network started. And so I was also the Dodgers host and reporter. So I spent five years there hosting pre and post game shows, doing interviews inside the clubhouse, the locker rooms, traveling with the teams on the private planes, doing the whole thing. And it was amazing. I learned so much during that time, but I was also during this entire experience fighting a chronic health battle. I mentioned mm -hmm. I was diagnosed when I was in school and that was really, really hard for me at 19 to go from being in the best shape of my life. I looked so healthy. I was 19. I was killing it. I was a, a top college athlete to the next day, literally overnight. My leg gave out. I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't see depression just hit so hard. I was in severe pain and I was so tired and my whole left leg was numb and dead. Oh my and gosh. my whole life was just ripped away right there. And I realize now at 31 that it was such a blessing in disguise, but when you're 19, you just mm -hmm. want to party and hang out and mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you don't really want to be going through that. And so after being misdiagnosed for six months and doctors thinking I had cancer and a tumor and broken my back and torn discs, but nothing was showing up in the scans, they were just giving me epidurals and putting me on drugs oh and God. just numbing me out. And this is me working with world-renowned doctors. You know, USC is top-notch and, and they still didn't get it. And so I spent two years heavily medicated um, mm -hmm. and in a lot of pain and really struggling because I lost my identity. Volleyball had been my thing. I had been known as, you know, Kelly Tennant, the volleyball player since I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And nine years later, it was just ripped away. And so I lost a lot of my friends. My social life changed. I became a normal student, quote unquote, and I could barely make it to class. And so that was really hard in itself. And then after six months, I saw a rheumatologist and he told me, you have fibromyalgia. I'm really sorry, but you're never going to play volleyball again. And I was like, very cool. This oh is awesome. God. And at the time I was co-captain of the team. We had just gone to a final four and it was, it was just really sad. And so I spent two years not really understanding what fibromyalgia was. And just doing what the doctors told me and taking all these pills. And then when I turned about 21 is when I just said, this, this can't be my life. There, there has to be more out there for me. I can't be this young and feeling this horrible all the time. And so I cold turkey got off everything and I started doing like a holistic protocol. So I tried being a vegan, being a vegetarian, elimination diets, and 
I did that for a few years until I found paleo and then the autoimmune protocol and really getting rid of the inflammation and taking things out that were triggering a lot of my problems. And then I still wasn't getting that much better. And so in 2017, I found a functional medicine doctor and he changed my life. And so through functional medicine and Ayurveda, um, I was able to figure out what was going on. And so I actually had Epstein-Barr, which is the virus you get when you get mono. And I had Mm. mono for eight months my freshman year at SC, but no one ever thought to give me a blood test for Epstein-Barr, which I find ridiculous now. Yeah. And so that's really what was causing a lot of my problems as well as a lot of emotional stress and trauma and triggers. Mm-hmm. And so once I was able to address down to the core and cellular level of what was happening in my body and really start healing that way, everything changed. So now I feel amazing and I have energy and I work out and I'm really aware of what I can and can't do. And a lot of the foods that I had to take out, I've been able to have now. I can have wine without wanting to die. I can, you know, have <laughs> I still don't really do gluten or dairy, but I can have, you know, a piece of pizza that's gluten-free with some dairy on it and, and tomatoes and whatever spices that I couldn't have for so long that would, I'd be out for a week if I had that. Now Mm -hmm. I can have it and I'm fine. So it was really about getting to the core of all of the issues. So that's what I've been doing. That that's my, my past life, if you will. (laughs) That is, I feel like a lot of people listening can I mean, maybe not relate to that extent, but just relate to, you know, not feeling good and not really having the answers. Um, But also, as a side note, I didn't know you could get an epidural, like, if you weren't having a baby. That's insane. So it's like this dark underworld of athletics (laughs) and people that have (laughs) chronic back pain. Um, No, I was in there with a bunch of football players. I remember specifically that morning, there was like three other football players in there and they were all getting epidurals at the same time as me. And like all of our parents were with us and they're all in the waiting room, just like chatting and we'd go in one at a time. And it, it, I mean, it does what it does when you're having a baby, but it allows you to play sports and it allows you to take the pain away so you can continue to perform. And you hope that if you can get an epidural, you can do physical therapy and then come back. But it's it's just a mask. It's like taking Tylenol. It's yeah. never going to get to the root issue. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me. I mean, my husband ran track, which is like, I feel probably nowhere near at he's going to kill me for saying this, but not (laughs) near at the level of, you know, USC. It's such a huge school, but it's almost like you are expected to sacrifice your body and your health for the good of the team. Like it's this totally different mindset that he sometimes will still talk about and say like, he misses it. Like he misses like having to put it all on the line for the team. But I also feel like you have to draw a line somewhere when it's your personal health. Well, that's one of my biggest issues with athletics in general, especially in college. I wrote a book called The Transition and Every Athlete's Guide to Life After Sports because this isn't physically, this is mentally, but what happens is we are used and a part of a system in college and we make them a ton of money, but then Mm -hmm. there's very little preparation for us to go into the real world and be normal humans. Mm -hmm. And so we're catered to, we don't have to get as high of grades in classes because they make exemptions for athletes. We don't have to be there for the test because we just need to note that we're on the road. No one ever teaches us how to network or send emails because we're just playing sports. And supposedly people play sports for a hundred years. I mean, that's how they treat it. No one thinks, oh, you play for four years and then you move on, which is statistically how it goes. The number of people that go pro, is very low. So to your point, not only are we doing that emotionally, we're doing it physically. We don't care what happens. We just get through. And Mm -hmm. because we're trained from such a young age, I mean, I was dancing at three, playing soccer, and I started very competitively dancing really young and then volleyball and swim at 10 years old very high level. And for me, it was like, unless I'm dying, I will be there. And Mm -hmm. that is how I lived my life. And I sacrificed every part of my body and no one ever asked questions about how I was feeling or addressed it. It was like, Oh, we're 
having a double day or a triple day, you better figure it out. I don't care if you can't walk. I don't care if you're not sleeping, go. Well, now you look at all the hormone issues that women are having. We're we're not having periods for years at a time. Our backs and our knees are just thrashed from jumping on cement, playing volleyball or basketball forever. And we wonder, well, how did this happen? Well, it's very clear how it (laughs) happened. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's so backwards. And I mean, there is right some good in sports. There's, you know, the the team and making friends and especially at a very young age, I feel like parents are like, oh, yeah, you have to get your kid in a sport. You know, that's how they're going to make friends. That's how they're going to get their movement in. So it's like a huge part of our culture. But like you said, there's this kind of Un, unwritten rule that you have to do it no matter what and if you don't feel good then you're kind of like a wussy um mm-hmm. so it's yeah it, I mean there's so much that has to change um so I want to get into kind of you said you were going through all of this pain and chronic illness while you were still working as well and so transitioning from college to you know the adult world and having a full-time job how did you you know maintain somewhat of you know being a human while going through all of this pain at the same time I lived a double life um so I would go to work and I would be on camera I'd be doing interviews I would host shows and I would be this happy girl that was you know putting on makeup and I had the clothes and I looked the part but on the inside. And when I left, I was miserable. I was in so much pain. I remember one day specifically when I was in New York and I was covering high school sports and it was so cold. It was snowing. I was bundled up, but the cold at that time was a really huge trigger for me. I could barely function if it rained or snowed. So good job by me of moving to New York, but (laughs) I'm on the sidelines doing a football game and I am sobbing because I can't see my vision is totally blurry. Like I can't Mm. see anything and I'm so much pain. I'm, I mean, I'm on a 10 on the pain scale and my producer, Russ, my dear friend comes out and he's like, what is going on? And I just said, I can't see anything. And that's when, you know, he was so amazing and held me and was like such a dad at that moment. Thank God. (laughs) And luckily I was young enough that it was like, okay, we need to take care of her. Um, But I just, I knew at that moment that I couldn't keep pushing my body like this. And so things like that happened throughout my career where I would have to lay on the floor while we're watching a game because I just, I can't, I don't have the energy to sit up or I would be late to work because I had to take a nap just to get through the day. Or Mm -hmm. if I was doing Dodgers for a day or two in a row, I would need three days off after because I was so exhausted. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard because no one knew I was struggling because I was such a perfectionist and I wanted to portray this like perfect girl who had her shit together and nothing was wrong. And I never wanted people to see me weak. But in reality, my life was horrendous. I was just sleeping all the time and I couldn't function and I wasn't happy. And so it was a really hard thing. And that's why I finally had to stop. It was just my body broke down in November, December of 2017. And I think it was because my body was telling me that it was enough. Like you've done this for long enough. You're not happy. You're not fulfilled. This is toxic for you. We're not doing it anymore. Mm hmm. And at that point, did you decide, is that when you decided to leave your job um, or did it take longer to make that decision? It took longer. I was on leave and disability for five months and I was just sleeping for 16 hours a day for three of those months. And I wasn't even getting off the couch. Um, I would get out of bed, move to the couch and then go back to bed. That was my whole life. And rare was the day that I was showering. It was It was sad. My poor guy at the time was, (laughs) I felt bad for him, but I, I couldn't even think straight. Um, 
And then once I came out of that fog and some of the anxiety and stress lifted and the pain kind of went away and I was able to eat again, um, I started thinking about what I was doing to my body and my life. And is this what I should be doing? Is this how I want to live? Is this the career I want and the environment and the people I want to be around? And mm-hmm. when I started asking those questions, I the answer was such a resounding no. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was laying there thinking, okay, I think my body is telling me something. I need to actually listen for once. And so when I was supposed to go back in March, I told them I, I'm not returning. And I started thinking about creating the podcast and the brand and just about what my life would look like if I wasn't doing all of that. And it just became really clear that it was time for me to live for myself and Mm -hmm. be authentic to who I was and what I wanted rather than doing it for other people and living this grind that never at the end of the day really fulfilled me. Yeah, that's, I feel like that just um, resonated with me, I I used to work a crazy job and I feel like for a lot of people, that's truly what's expected and it's kind of become our new normal regardless of whether or not you're dealing with something else. I feel like you're at a lot of workplaces, you're expected to literally always be on. You always have your laptop. You always have your email. You're always accessible. And I think a lot of people can relate at least to the burnout piece of what you were feeling definitely probably not the physical side effects, but I just have to commend you for how brave that is because I think for all of us type A perfectionist, um, you know, personalities, kind of admitting defeat and waving that white flag and, and saying, you know, this is too much and having to feel like you're letting other people down is like so scary and so hard. So can you talk about what that was like for you? Did you just, you know, like bite the bullet and you were fine with it by that point? Or how did that look for you? Yeah, it is so layered. You're right. It's so hard. And as a recovering people pleaser, my whole body was like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so when I, I, when I called my boss and I told him I wasn't coming back, he was so amazing, but it was the most relief I've ever felt. It was almost like, you know, when you break up with someone and you've been wanting to do it for so long and it's been such a bad relationship, but you Mm -hmm. waited so long and then you finally do it and you're like, damn, that feels good. Why didn't I do that before? It was like that times a million. And (laughs) it was just like the most profound breakup I've ever had. And It was because I was finally choosing me. I was finally stepping up for myself. Like that little girl inside of me was like, thank you. I finally feel heard. Like, where has this been? And so I think it's learning to one, advocate for yourself and not feel shame around that because guess what? It's your life and no one else's. And to be quite honest, people were up in arms about me leaving because I wasn't a very public person position with, you know, the biggest teams in the world. And mm-hmm. people were up in arms for about five minutes right. after that. No one cared. No one asked where I am. No one gives a crap that I'm not there. It's like the new girl came in and the world moved on. And, mm-hmm. and I'm over here thinking, Oh God, it's going to affect so many people. And they're going to think this and they're going to think that yep. newsflash, no one cares. So <laughs> everyone is too obsessed with themselves and doing their own thing. You know, I understand that to really worry about it. But I was so consumed in that, that I lost sight of what I really wanted because I was so afraid of how other people were going to react. And so Mm -hmm. that was an amazing lesson in if you choose yourself, it may cause a little bit of a stir, but everyone will always be able to move on. And second, like saying no and creating boundaries for yourself is one of the most beautiful acts of love that you can do for you and the people around you. And the way I show up in the world now is so different than the way I used to show up because I would always say yes to everything, even if it didn't make me happy. And I would pretend and I would be this person that I didn't really feel like I was just to please every everyone else. And so if you're not showing up authentically in the world as you and you're not happy, then what are you doing? How are you really making a difference or helping anyone, including yourself? And so I show up fully as me. I don't feel like I have to defend my decisions or explain myself. I say no when I want to say no, and I let it go if it bothers someone because I'm not for everyone and that's okay. But that whole experience really taught me that. And I'm so glad because 
gosh, I said yes to way too many things, relationships, Mm -hmm. jobs, experiences, birthday parties, dinners, (laughs) foods that didn't serve me. And getting rid of that stuff and detoxing that out of your life is one of the most profound things you'll ever do. Yes. Amen to that. I mean, (laughs) preach, girl. (laughs) It's just, it's so true. And I I think luckily the mindset of self-care and putting yourself first is becoming more and more popular. Um, But, you know, I still see it in kind of like my parents' generation, you know, they're always, you know, thinking about what other people are going to think about them or the decisions they make or, you know, they always say yes to everything to helping and then, you know, they kind of put their own health on the back burner. It's like, oh, drives me crazy. Um, But I love the analogy um, that you talked about with the little girl inside of you, you know, saying, finally you're listening because that resonates so much Um, and I think to your point people around you will they'll know if you're not being your true authentic self and when you are being your authentic self I feel like that energy just exudes from you and it spreads to everybody else and people around you will maybe light a you know light a candle under them and they'll want to kind of figure out who they truly are and I think it's such a ripple effect um so I would love to know where you made the decision and I'm sure it was a pretty easy one because you wanted to share you know this newfound health and um just outlook on life but when did you make the decision to want to share your journey and share um kind of the healing that you went through with other people so when I was little I always used to tell my mom I want to be famous so I can help people and I started saying that when I was like five years old and my mom always thought like obviously she loves me so she thought I was a great kid but she thought it was a little (laughs) weird (laughs) like okay um But it's funny the way everything has played out now because I got this platform through being on TV and I was able to learn so much about how to interview people and how to hold space and how to produce a show and create things and write. And then I've been able to take that and put that into the podcast and the brand and teaching and all of that. And For me, I think it was all of these years of experience of feeling like I was alone and going through my own chronic health journey, feeling very isolated. And I mean, one of the first things the doctor told me when he said I had fibromyalgia at 19 was, you know, it's so weird. You're really young to have this. Most people that get this are 50. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, it was like, once again, I'm not like other people and I don't have anyone to relate with. And so I just was on this journey by myself trying to figure it out and no one could understand me because everyone who had this supposedly was 50. I don't know. It was just this crazy thing. And so I felt like there has to be a community of people that can help. And as I started reaching out, I started finding it and I started to realize, I don't know that I I even have this illness, I'm going to just start treating myself for chronic inflammation and fatigue and using food as medicine. And the more and more I did that, the more and more I found people that were like me. And over the last couple years, you know, I've been with men for 10, 15 years covering sports. It's very male dominated. I've had plenty. I don't need to be around it anymore. And I thought, well, what if I create a space that is safe for women and their healing, because that's what I've been needing. I need a safe space because I haven't had one. I haven't felt safe for a long time for many reasons. And I wanted a place where people could talk about what they were going through and get the resources and the help they needed. I live in LA. I have resources to functional medicine doctors, Ayurvedic practitioners, shamans, psychics, Mm. every healer, you name it, we've got it. And the rest of the world doesn't necessarily have that. Unless you live in maybe San Francisco, Boston, New York, you're kind of SOL. And so I thought we have to have more of these conversations so people know what's available to them. Because even me living in LA, having the access I do, I didn't even know about what a functional medicine doctor was until 2017. Mm -hmm. And I was diagnosed in 2007. So 10 years in all the research I had done. And so I want, I want to 
have these conversations where women feel safe, where they can share what's going on in their lives, where they know that other people are being vulnerable and going through similar situations, and where we can all support each other in healing from a very deep level. That's that's amazing. And I really love what you said about just not knowing that some of the resources are out there. And I feel like that's... I. To be honest, I feel like LA is a little ahead of Boston, (laughs) but that's like what we really want to put out there through the podcast is like everything that is accessible for you if you want to explore it. Because I, I think just having the knowledge is the first step and it's kind of crazy that a lot of people don't like, and I think especially too, when you're steeped in this wellness community, you're like, oh, well, obviously I'm going to have my matcha in the morning and then, Mm -hmm. you know, go to acupuncture (laughs) in the afternoon. But like, that's not really normal for the vast majority of people. So I, I love that. And I, I also love, um, just having a safe space for women. I think that's a topic that's you know, at the forefront of a lot of people's minds nowadays. Um, We'll see (laughs) when the changes actually start to happen. But I'm really curious because you were in such a male-dominated, you know, arena for such a long time. What was your experience overall? How, How did you, I guess, how did you feel safe for yourself at the end of the day? It's an amazing question, and I'm so glad you asked because I don't think there's enough conversation around this within sports. And you look at every under, other industry that is coming forward and talking about the issues that women have had with men, but aside from USA Gymnastics, we're not really having that conversation in sports about what women go through. And myself, as well as almost every woman I know in the sports industry that has been a reporter and been a host, has dealt with assault and has um, been in uncomfortable situations and have had players or coaches or fans touch them or come on to them in ways that they don't want. And for me we are thrown into situations without preparation. My first time being in a locker room was at 25 years old. And up until that point, I had been mostly covering women and women, by the way, who were girls that I had known since I was 10. So Mm -hmm. I was fine. And never did I go in a locker room. Um, That's not how volleyball works. And then all of a sudden, you get thrown into locker rooms, you get thrown into clubhouses and you're on the sidelines with a bunch of very wealthy, very successful, fearless men who think they can do anything and you don't know what to do Mm -hmm. and no one is telling you. And unfortunately there's not enough women in the sports world that set their egos aside and take a young girl under their wing and say, look, sister, this is how it is. I know you think this is glamorous as hell, but mm-hmm. here's how it's going to go. Right. And I'm so glad that early on in my career, I was able to gravitate towards people like Samantha Ponder and Lindsay Rhodes. And I had these women that they told me those things. And when I asked the questions, they showed up for me mm-hmm. and they said, this is how you handle this situation. I remember I had an executive and I was trying to get a job. I think I was maybe even younger, 23, 24, and it was a really big network. And I showed him my highlight reel, which is what you have when you're a TV reporter. You show them different things that you've done in your career, and that's mm-hmm. how you get jobs. And so I showed him this highlight reel, and he sat there in front of me and ripped me apart, telling me I wasn't sexy enough, oh telling God. me that this charity event that I had hosted that was a part of my reel, it was really important to me, um, and it showed my skills, was stupid. And that why would anyone want to do charity work and said, you know, basically, if you want to make it in this business, you really need to sex it up. Six months later, I had an executive at another really big time network hold my hand and walk me through the office, introducing me to people like I was his little girlfriend. No. And I was just like, but... I'm so young and I'm a nobody at the time. What do you do with that? Like, do you say, excuse me, head of talent for XYZ network, please don't do that. Mm -hmm. No, you kind of go along with it because you don't know what else to do. And so 
so many instances like that where I just felt really confused and I didn't know my self-worth and value at the time. And Lord help me, if anyone did that to me now, they would <laughs> have a much different experience right. with this 31-year-old version of me. But what I experienced was really tough and I had to get very thick skin. I had to be okay with people not talking to me because I wouldn't go out with them or mm-hmm. kiss them when they asked um, or you know, being attacked because a player was upset that I didn't do what they wanted. And that's kind of how it goes. And behind the scenes, it is really difficult. And you are surrounded by beat writers that are almost all men. And so they don't respect you either. So not only are you dealing with the teams looking at you like you're, you know, the new fresh meat, you've got all these beat writers that have been there for 30 years that are angry because you're the new young hot girl. Mm -hmm. And they don't like that. And so you're fighting it from every angle while also trying to maintain your professionalism and your poise. And so now when I, I work with a lot of young women that are in television because I'm so passionate about this because of what I've been through. And I always say things like, don't give them your phone number unless you feel comfortable. Don't answer text messages late at night. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't get into conversations with them that are anything less than professional because they can't help themselves, period. They can't. And really maintain your boundaries. And it's always important to be kind, but also respect yourself. Because if you show up and you respect yourself, people will end up having to respect you. But if you walk in and you don't have that air about you, then they take full advantage. And I didn't have that sort of boundary early on. And it took me a while to learn that. Um, But it can be a really tough industry to work in. And, and you will learn a lot. That is for sure. Yeah, that I mean, it's just it's, sad and just disgusting and so many things and I and I think to your point in um you know having women there who will show up for you and who will kind of take you under their wing I think that's so important for anyone listening is if you are you know in an industry like that if you are going through things like that and you see someone new come in that doesn't necessarily know please help them because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes it's like this secret like world and it's like oh I don't want to like give anything away because I had to struggle with it so like other people should have to struggle it's like no that's not how it should be um but thank you for sharing that because I think it's so brave um of you to talk about it um because assault and you know sexual harassment is is not an easy thing to go through and very personal as well. So thank you. Thank you. Um, wow. I'm just like so riled up. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, um, and I just want to add to your point about women showing up for younger women, especially something I learned from my mentors is that the women that have showed up the hardest for me are the ones that are the most secure in themselves mm-hmm. and show themselves a lot of love. And that's what I think that I'm learning now in my age. And every year I get older and a little more wise, I hope. And I realize the more that I love myself and fill my own cup, the more that I'm able to show up for other people and women specifically. And so if we focus on being the best version of ourselves and really being confident in who we are and what we have to offer, then we're able to do that for other people. And it's like you were saying, the domino effect of this is huge because we're retraining young women. We are showing this new generation that it doesn't have to look like it used to because Mm -hmm. times are different and there are so many opportunities for all of us. We all have different skills. Look how many podcasts are out there. You guys, we're not supposed to be liking each other right now if (laughs) we're going based on old belief systems. Yet I find that I'm all my best friends I now find because I stalk on Instagram and we go on each other's shows and we end yep. up like having sleepovers a week later, <laughs> like creepers, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's the beauty of where we are now. And the more we're able to, to teach young women, this is how it can be. Look how amazing it is to have a tribe of people that are doing all the same stuff yet still supporting each other. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yep. 
yeah, there's space for everybody. And it's so interesting because if you look back, men have been doing this for years and years and years. And, you know, they've been in their own way supporting one another and kind of, you know, showing up for one another. And there's like the, you know, the good old boys club that will always, you know, connect you to people and network with you and always, you know, just show up. And so as women, it's like, why has it taken so long to catch on to this? But it's it's such an important point. Um, and the fact that if you're taking care of yourself, you'll, you'll always have more room to help others and you'll want to, and because you're, you're taking care of yourself already. Um, I'd love to talk about, and we've talked about this before, um, with other guests, but, and I think you've been through a lot, so this may be a tough question, but we like to focus kind of on like the darkest moment and what has, what's that done for you now? Um, and how you've used that to kind of shape your day-to-day life. Um, so can you share a little bit about that with us? Mm, that is such a good question. I'm thinking of all the dark moments. What do I choose? Um, I, I really think that it was getting sick, um, for the five months that I was talking about earlier, because I had gotten to a point where I had reached a level in my career where I was making a ton of money. I had a lot of attention. I kept getting bigger and bigger jobs and I kept saying yes. And I kept thinking, well, I'm really good at this. People like me in this role. I must be doing something right. The money is really good. I'm with the best teams in the world. I've got to keep going. And the more that I stepped into those lies, the sicker I got. And so I had never really made the correlation between emotional distress and anxiety and experiences to physical manifestations of disease. Mm -hmm. And it was during that time where my research really kicked up and I started reading a lot cause I had nothing else to do and mm-hmm. listening to podcasts and binging and, and listening to the balance blonde, my girlfriend Jordan's show and the almost 30 girls and hearing these people talk about the correlations of mind body and the wellness around that. And so I've wanted to die a lot of times in my life. And during that five months, I felt the same. And when you feel helpless and you have chronic illness and you don't have a lot of answers and stress is a huge trigger, I'm definitely type A and controlling. So stress plays a really big role in my life and in my illness. Mm -hmm. It's overwhelming and it's very, very scary. And the idea of surrendering and letting things play out the way they're meant to and stepping into yourself fully without shame and without apologizing is so frightening. And so I think I hit my darkest period during that time because I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And to say no to this whole life that I had created, this whole image that was so public to just walk away from that and move on was the last thing I would have ever thought I would do. And working through that during that time and realizing what it meant to love myself and to choose myself was probably the hardest shift I've ever made in my life. And now looking back, I understand why it's years and I believe lifetimes of not choosing myself and choosing other people and showing up for others and not making myself a priority and learning that from people in my family that my only worth and my only value is what I do for other people and how Mm. I please them. Then realizing that actually, no, that's not my value and my worth and completely redefining my identity and finding myself is what I did. And it was really hard. And so I think that was the darkest time for me and the most beautiful transition as well. And Mm -hmm. it's everything that I'm about now and it's everything I teach about as much as 
there is physical illness and autoimmune disease and chronic illness and all these things that we go through physically, Mm -hmm. it all stems back to something. It all stems back to emotional distress or traumas or things that we've gone in in our gone through in our lives that trigger this. And Mm -hmm. so addressing those things is the most important thing to me now when I work with anyone or talk to them about my story. I really am trying to help people make that correlation and understand that. Mm-hmm. Well, I can speak for Beck. I know you've totally inspired us and we're so <laughs> proud of you um, and everything you've gone through. And it's actually really funny that you brought up the stress piece and just kind of like the physical um, the physical side effects of things that we bottle up or keep down. And I was actually talking to my mom today. I was like, you know, I'm not feeling so good in this way. Like, I think it's related to stress. Like, I don't feel like I'm stressed. I'm not acknowledging it, but my body knows that like stuff is changing. And she was like, oh, I don't buy into that at all. Like, I, I think it's just like people say that, but like, you know, you just got to power through. And I think it's just like crazy to me that, with all the research out there now, even with like gut health and things like that, that people aren't recognizing that, um, you know, these things have a huge, huge impact on our physical well-being. Mm-hmm. In the course that I'm launching in a couple of weeks, it's called Healing. And we talk about what we do is we heal your gut, we detox your life and we manage your stress. I believe that the protocol that I've been through with functional medicine and the autoimmune protocol and Ayurveda addresses all of those issues. But if you look at any of those protocols, even on their own, Mm -hmm. it's all about the mind-body connection. It's about using food as medicine, but it's about connecting your brain brain to your gut brain and realizing that everything affects everything and trauma is stored in your organs and in your fascia. And so if you have a headache, for example, what is it that you're holding on to? What are, what is ailing you in your head? What are you not releasing? What are you overthinking? What are you overstressing? When you look at it that way, you can always make a direct line from some sort of emotional trauma or stress to a physical ailment Mm -hmm. throughout your entire body. And every single organ is linked to something like fear or anxiety or stress or, you know, whatever. Um, And so I think you have to, in order to heal, you can't just do food and you can't just meditate. Mm -hmm. You have to do it all together. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to take your course. So where can our (laughs) listeners (laughs) find that? I know that's coming up. And then where can they find you to connect with you? Yes. So my Instagram is Kelly M tenant, like Michelle, and they can go to, um, this is the platform.com slash healing and sign up for that course. Um, or anyone can email me at Kelly at Kelly and I can guide you to wherever you need to go and answer any questions you have. I really love interacting with people. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, this has been such an insightful interview and like I am almost in tears just like thinking about just like women empowerment and just everything that's good in the world and just you know trying to get that out there because I think both of you and us were so aligned in that way of just getting the education out there and you know lifting others up so I am really grateful to you for being on the podcast um, and we're so excited to see what happens in the future. Thank you so much. And I I appreciate you guys so much. I think women that are doing the work you are and having these conversations, again, is just so important. And holding space for others to share and to grow is the best thing that we can do. So thank you so much for having me and sharing this time. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, So as always, for our listeners, you can find us at Detox and Chill Podcast on Instagram.com, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, please rate and review if you have a second we'd love to see your feedback and also join our super exclusive Facebook group we've been having some great conversations in there um, some sneak peeks at content events um, so it's super fun Uh, thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon